Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. After failing the first vote, Congress successfully passes the motion to censure Representative Adam Schiff for misleading the American people, wasting the taxpayers' time, and bringing a disgrace to the body. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl, as always, beep, 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 beep pushing those buttons, doing the things to make the show function. So this was a bit of a surprise vote that came through this week. Wednesday afternoon, uh, the second time Representative Anna Polina Luna, first time Congresswoman from Florida, saw her resolution ultimately pass 213 to 209, mostly party line vote, obviously. Six Republicans chose to abstain, not voting for the measure, but simply voting present. <laughs> ultimately allowing it to pass. Democrats made an enormous stink, declaring it unfair. Um, of course, our own representative here in Marion County, Andre Carson, had something to say, and I'll be playing that bite for you. But first, you can hear when Kevin McCarthy finally made the pronouncement after the vote was held, uh, declaring censure from the gallery. Democrats made a stink, clutched their pearls, and bemoaned uh, this, uh, this shame on Adam Schiff. By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House is resolved that the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California, for misleading the American public and for and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives, the Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. He lied to the American people. He said there were mountains of evidence for collusion with Russia to steal the 2016 election when there simply was none. The Mueller investigation, complete nothing burger. There never was any connection between Donald Trump and Russia. There was this uh, manufactured steel dossier, which the intelligence com community understood to be a fabrica uh, fabrication claiming evidence of Donald Trump, Mictor upon Russian prostitutes overseas. I mean, truly ridiculous stuff. And from that, ultimately nothing. Two failed impeachments for the former president. Um, and and Kevin McCarthy, uh, not Kevin, uh, not Kevin McCarthy, Adam Schiff rather, was uh, was one of the foremost leaders behind that. So Kevin McCarthy was correct in uh, pronouncing censure upon Adam Schiff. Now I'm not sure. <laughs> 
ultimately this is going to lead anywhere it seems like somewhat of a shallow victory from republicans which we live in an age of performative politics for first and foremost um now an ethics investigation is forthcoming from kevin mccarthy and friends but again when have Republicans in recent memory actually held Democrats to account? It was already a surprise that this vote successfully was passed. Now, you know, it also had a lot of the sting taken out of it because the fines were stripped. Um, but I, I suspect ultimately this ethics investigation will go nowhere, which is standard fare for Republicans, unfortunately. During the hearings for censure, Andre Carson, our own representative here in Marion County, made sure to step forward and defend the representative from California. What I do know, Mr. Speaker, is that Adam Schiff <laughs> defended the U.S. Constitution. He led an impartial investigation, which followed the facts, which led to the first of two impeachments <laughs> of a former president. A nothing burger. He was acquitted in the Senate. It went nowhere. There never was any evidence. The Mueller investigation itself was a waste of taxpayer time. Millions of dollars were sunk into this. But, you know, Andre Carson, not known for being a Rhodes Scholar. I suppose we can expect that, that from him. Uh, also, Adam Schiff reveling in the attention naturally and promising he would happily do it again. I take it as a badge of honor because uh, this says that I'm effective. Uh, they go after people that they think are effective. Uh, I exposed the corruption of the former president. I led the first impeachment trial of the former president to the first bipartisan vote to remove a president in U.S. history. Uh, and I'm proud of that work, and I would do it again. Loser. Proud what? Of, proud of it, and he'd do it again says a lot about the representative for sure. Now, remember when there was an age when disagreements in Congress actually reached a boiling point all the way in the 1850s, 1856, as a matter of fact, the caning of Senator Charles Sumner. This was a disagreement between uh, pro-slavery and anti-slavery advocates in the House and Senate. Uh, the representative uh, from the House, uh, Representative Preston Brooks, approached uh, the anti-slavery advocate of uh, Senator Charles on the floor of the Senate and beat him with a cane until he was nearly unconscious and had to be dragged off the floor by other representatives. Um, and both of these individuals actually became heroes within their local community. So on both sides, they were regarded highly. And it's kind of a similar thing I think is going to come out of, uh, you know, certainly in the coming weeks with the ethics investigation and following censure. Democrats are going to circle the wagons around uh, Adam Schiff. They're going to, uh, you know, say Republicans are, are uh, wasting the Americans' time. They're lying, you know, treating the, treating the representative unfairly. Similarly, Republicans are going to declare this a victory, you know, um, and, and, and kind of the theatrics go on, I guess, is the takeaway there. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We've got a lot more conversation to come. Up next, of course, revisiting the disastrous plea deal uh, between Hunter Biden and the De uh, Department of Justice, allowing him to ultimately avoid jail time. Uh, certainly, it highlights the two-tiered system of justice that is uh, withering confidence in our system, uh, in the system as it is uh, currently implemented. Uh, you'll hear more about that coming up next, so stay tuned to Saturday night on the circle. One, three.
listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show. Yesterday, I filled in for Tony Katz, joined by the illustrious Tony Kinnett. Naturally, the conversation turned to Hunter Biden and the sweetheart plea deal extended to him by the Justice Department, illustrating the two-tiered system that is currently contributing to the ever-eroding confidence in our government. Here's the conversation. Hunter Biden, now, the you black know, sheep of the family, the disgraced son of the current sitting president. This is kind of historical in and of itself. We have so many historical firsts, like Donald Trump, former president, being federally indicted, and now the son of a sitting current president pleading guilty in a deal with us Justice Department to Ethan, two I, tax misdemeanors. I got to ask you here, because it's about these two tax misdemeanors. <laughs> have you ever owed the IRS $100,000 in taxes? <laughs> have you? you ever, no? Okay, I'm getting a no. What about owing them $200,000 in taxes over two years. Have yeah. you, ever, you ever done that? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. And I believe if I did, the IRS, they'd come a knocking. That's now, come a knocking is a very interesting way to say that they would send SWAT teams through your windows, drag you out the door by your heels, bring the AFT to shoot your dog, throw you in the back of a paddy wagon, and we would never see you again. It would be the quickest investigation ever. Because if, if, if I owed the IRS a couple hundred grand over a couple of years, they would have me off to the nearest police station for permanent processing. Well, that was also the conclusion of a former Department of Justice official who handled tax cases in specifically and telling not Fox News, not Newsmax, not One America. He said this to CBS. So, you know, not oh, yeah. CBS, exact. notable conservative network. Bingo. Uh, saying that it, had his last name been Hunter Smith, you know, Hunter Smith, probably would have been a different outcome here, you think? Gene Rossi, a former Justice Department official who handled tax cases, told CBS News, the failure to pay tax on more than $3 million, even though now repaid, is a serious violation. If this were Hunter Smith instead of Hunter Biden, I think you would have a very much uh, more aggressive prosecution. You know, I've often kind of wondered what life would be like if I came from some magically, fantastically rich and noble family and I had uh, all of the, the wonderful privileges that they get to enjoy. Uh, I, I've made this point on a, on a recent show, I think it was with Hammer and Nigel, that Bill Gates could waltz into the studio and, uh, let's say, remove all of us from existence and not go to prison for it. But you or I could rear-end his car on the interstate and do 15 years. And that's just the justice system that we have these days. Well, I think it was George Carlin who found famously said it's a big club and you're not in it mm. that's the thing here you yeah know, but they'll beat you with it that's for sure <laughs> uh, the question speaks, speaks awfully and carry a big stick the, the question that i have at this point is at w what do what do people do about it because i'd have no faith whatsoever that the republicans are actually going to effectively hold this kind of stuff accountable nope. again when you have the doj the fbi the other alphabet soup agencies offering people sweetheart deals to just kind of chalk things up to misdemeanors the man committed a felony with a fire Firearm, which, by the way, should mean that you don't get to carry a firearm around anymore. And yet Hunter Biden is going to get to carry whenever, wherever he pleases. The rules do not apply to those that uh, the FBI has, you know, kind of a crush on. Well, they pled down on the gun charge, you understand. Uh, oh, Democrats pled down. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, we're, we're very we're very serious about gun safety. You see, we're very hard on, on gun crime unless you are the president's son. And that, I mean, that kind of sounds like a wannabe dictator to me. And what? 
what you're right? and what you're kind of getting close to is the acknowledgement that this reveals a two-tiered system of justice where individuals who are connected and have influence do not get the same treatment as the citizenry and Jonathan Turley rightly points out um, uh, that that this is like ticketing the getaway driver of a bank robbery the you know the the two misdemeanor tax evasion charges when there's so much more on the table to the Hunter Biden story and we all know it so it is historic in the sense that the president's son is going to plead guilty to criminal acts it is going to be uh, very controversial for critics I think for many this is going to look like you ticketed the getaway driver after a bank robbery you know many people view the influence peddling allegations as being a very serious form of corruption with potential crime and he's going to plead guilty to relatively minor tax and gun charges doesn't anyone notice this i feel like i'm taking crazy pills I want to make one very particular point. I really dislike when someone gets on the air and says, well, many might see this as possibly being something. Okay, just tell us what you're thinking. You don't need to say, well, I, some might see this as alleged corruption. You know that in the Declaration of Independence, the founding fathers were like, some might see these taxes as unattainable. And no, they said this is wrong. When I write articles, I don't say, well, some might view this as unconscionable. I say, you know, this is wrong and they need to be held accountable for it. And he's right. This is corruption to the highest level. It is disgusting. This is exactly the thing that goes on in third world dictatorships. It is. The kid the kid of the president, of the dictator, gets to do whatever it is that they want, get away from it. It's kind of tut-tutted by the media. And this is where we are. This is the country you live in. It is officially a banana, a banana republic, and that is not a hyperbole. It just isn't. And we now know, because of this investigation into Hunter Biden's taxes, that the FBI had gotten a hold of the infamous, now infamous laptop in advance of the 2020 campaign had already verified it and admitted that it included evidence which li- or evidence which likely indicated uh, tax crime. Um, and, and this was while there were more than 50 intelligence officials who claimed, staking their reputations, that uh, uh, the, the, you know the Hunter Biden laptop had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. So clearly, he's getting favorable treatment and having this covered over and is now getting a sweetheart deal with the Justice Department. Um, it, it's, it's the, FBI, a, the FBI needs to be dissolved. Yeah. Dissolve the entire Federal Bureau of Investigation and start over because this is corruption to the highest core. Because remember, a couple of weeks ago, before some of this stuff came out, back when it was just information that only the House of Representatives had access to, they brought the chair of the FBI and several members of the FBI leadership to the House of Representatives and said, what are you doing to make up for what is the most abysmal embarrassment of the American justice system in history? And they're like, we're taking care of it internally. We're handling it. You don't need to look at it. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Tear it down. Abolish the FBI. It's ruined. It's completely just, it's a waste. It has unilateral authority. No one has any accountability over it. Scrap it. The whole thing. You want to hear a really cartoonish take. This is from uh, former Senator Claire McCaskill engaging in some of that pearl clutching you were bemoaning earlier, saying that we're being far too hard on uh, the son of the current president. Everyone should understand here that this man, this has paid a very high price for his addiction in the public arena. And by the way, everybody needs to back off Joe Biden about this. He loves his son. Back off. It is okay for him to love 
of his son. And there's nothing wrong with it. They have no evidence of any kind of wrongdoing by Joe Biden. And it infuriates me that they're using this heartbreak against Joe Biden in this way. It's just not right. Leave Benny alone! Ah, I called it. Ah, I, I love it when I call which uh, audio clips you're going to use before you use them. I, I do want to point this out. Psychically connected, sir. Psychically connected. Great minds, they say. So she says that there's been no evidence of wrongdoing in connection with President Joe Biden. However, we now have actual screenshots of messages yeah. where Hunter Biden is threatening foreign officials for massive bribes and saying, well, my, my dad is right here in the room. My dad, I'm sitting on his lap right now. My dad is right here. Dad Don't make me call daddy. Is in the room. Let that sink in because, of course, Joe Biden has been lying wholesale for years now regarding his knowledge of his son Hunter's business dealings. When and not just possibly knowledge of tax issues, right? not just fraud, not just foreign collusion with foreign governments, unregistered agents, not only bribing foreign agents in the Chinese Communist Party as well as Ukrainian officials, but also what might be... <laughs> Pornography rings. Oh yeah, we'll get into that after we play Joe Biden denying. But that's that's how this whole thing started. Uh, but but first, Here, here's, yeah, here's let, let the president clear his honest and good name. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses. President Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter's business associates while he was vice president. Then Vice President Joe Biden had dinner with his son Hunter along with Hunter's business associates from Ukraine, Russia, and Kazakhstan. And the day after the dinner, a Burisma executive sent a note to Hunter quoting, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. Hunter's lucrative business dealings often included giving as much as 50% of his earnings to his dad. 50% of his earnings to his dad. This is stuff that we already know about, and it's all centered around the drip, drip, drip of the Hunter Biden laptop, which was verified by the FBI in advance of the denials from the Biden campaign during the 2020 election. Members of the government already knew it was the truth, but lied to your face. And now we're finding out how this investigation all started, which is really bizarre. I first became aware of it when I saw you share the tweet and said, cowabunga time it is. Because... So Hunter Biden, the entire tax investigation was opened in November 8, 2018 as an offshoot of an IRS investigation into a, quote, foreign-based amateur online pornography platform in which Hunter Biden was codenamed by the FBI sportsman. So Hunter Biden being investigated for tax evasion and an illegal, possibly pedophilic pornography ring out with foreign agents and now and, and again this just well we don't know that it was pedophilic it could have just been regular no, the, the, uh, the human foreign, trafficking the foreign, oh just regular human <laughs> trafficking so the foreign groups that have participated in this suspected pornography ring have been indicted in other countries in both pedophilia and child sex trafficking he's palling around with Andrew Tate I, and, and I, I mean <laughs> at this point you really do have to wonder about the Epstein connection you really do because what, what bothers me is that how much evidence do you need before 
before the House actually begins impeachment proceedings. Genuinely, at this point, because didn't they though didn't Anna Paulina Luna, uh, Congresswoman from Florida, already uh, begin those proceedings? They're starting to kind of move around it, but a lot of House members are they're unsure. Well, Mitch they McConnell are. and Senate Republicans they don't know this is kind of political, guys. So it's just incredible. Well, let's I, you know ordinarily I would be all for you know uh, criticizing the Republicans, but let's cut them a little slack here because one of the criticisms of the Democrats was they flew spaghetti at the wall. Whatever they you know if they go forward with impeachment, let's make sure it's one hundred percent substantive. So caution no is warrant no no, no Pandora, caution is no, warranted. No, no, no. The, the seal's broken. Pandora's box is open. Let's go. Let's go. If, if one about side, fair play. well, okay. At this point, why why does the other side get to throw punches? But I have to sit here and take it on the chin. Why? Why do I have to play by rules they're not following? It's not fair. It's not appropriate. It's not going to preserve the republic for establishment Republicans to just well, if we just act like the bigger person, then everything is going to be fine. No, you're not. You're going to lose. Like you have been losing. I don't want to play that way. I want to win. I want the republic to be preserved, and I want the constitution to be intact. And if there is evidence that President Biden was aware of extreme levels of foreign corruption and intimidation, get him out of office, put him in an orange jumpsuit, and give him his Geritol in prison. You're listening to Tony Katz today. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in, giving no quarter to the Biden crime family. Because they would give none to you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle, and if you like that, I got more on the way, so stay tuned. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. It's time for another weekly dose of laughs as we collect only the finest and most ridiculous clips from across the media. You'll hear Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre vastly overestimate her relevance to American history and overcompensate for a dithering executive whose deteriorating faculties endanger the nation. Also, don't miss a childlike tantrum from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting that truly must be heard to be believed. And all of it's here for another edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your square peg in a round world, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons, doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Kareen Jean-Pierre. Oh, 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 she had quite a few interesting clips from this week, uh, making absurd declarations like this, that President Biden has done more than any other president ever. I think if you look at what the president has done in the last two years, it is more than any other president has done. 
<laughs> wow, and in only two years, too. Isn't that incredible, Carl? I mean, more than a Reagan, more than a Washington, certainly, right? More than FDR. Right, yeah, definitely more than FDR, more than Wilson, more than Lincoln, you know. And, and in only two years, such an incredible accomplishment from the president. But if you don't understand it, if you don't recognize it, it's because you're too stupid to see it, you understand? That's the thesis being offered by press secretary, uh-huh, Karine Jean-Pierre. As uh, some, as we, as you all have stated to me, some Americans don't quite know uh, uh, all the full impact of the president's economic policy. So this is an opportunity for the president to go to Illinois and do just that. Oh, I see. Yes, they don't understand his economic impact, Carl. That's uh, that's an interesting thesis being offered by the press secretary. I suppose we don't see the impact of disastrous appointments like uh, Buddha, Buddha, Buddha judge rocking everywhere. Pete Buddha judge completely making a mockery of the transportation department and leading to train derailments, leading to supply chain shortages, leading to collapses <laughs> on the American highway system. I mean, all kinds of stuff that's happening specifically under this administration, never mind the rising energy prices due to his antipathy for expanding American energy enterprises, specifically fossil fuels. I mean, you know, the list goes on. The Biden inflation crisis, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. But you just you just don't see his impact, which is why he's got to go on tour and advertise, advertise, advertise for this failing administration being defended by a completely inept press secretary who herself vastly overestimates her importance to history, saying that uh, she is a historian historical figure there's been a couple of things that i that has made me incredibly proud many things many things have made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment again this is a historic administration i'm a historic figure and i certainly walk in history every day but this is also a historic making administration because of this president you sure about that you sure about that you sure about that? The incredible hubris to, you know, make, you know, I guess stake your claim in the uh, uh, pages of history. You know, I am a historical figure, she says pridefully, when she is truly one of the worst press secretaries in recent memory. Y'all thought circle back Saki was bad. She ain't got nothing on press secretary KJP, whose incompetence is truly singular, uh, you know, and I... Uh, <laughs> She puts it on display every day. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, producer Carl on the board, and we've been reviewing some of the more humorous sound bites from this week. Now, I caught this, happened a couple weeks ago, but somehow I missed it, a confrontation at the uh, San Francisco Board of Supervisors, which is a, 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 a body elect that creates the policy for the city going forward. And they were taking public comment relating to a trans person and a person of color, as uh, the libs like to say, who was killed allegedly while robbing a Walgreens. And this was seen as uh, enormous injustice to the community of San Francisco, evidently. And one pro-trans activist by the name of Leah McGeever 
She had an interesting tact to get the attention of the uh, San Francisco Board of Supervisors, and we'll just play this. It's a couple different different bites, but it's got to be heard to be believed. The sheer insanity on display. Okay. My name is Leah McGeever. I live in D6. I hate a lot of people on this board. <laughs> For the reasons that led up to Banco Brown's death. So often I prepare something, maybe it's a little historical, you know, maybe a little poetic, whatever. There's a lot of performative people on this board who will say one thing in support of black people, homeless people, trans people, and then immediately stab you in the face, being racist, transphobic, anti-homeless. So I don't have any words prepared today I just want you to feel our pain. I don't know if you can at this point based off your policy choices, but I have to pretend you have some form of empathy left. So I am going to spend the next minute screaming because that is what is going on in here. That is what the trans genocide in this country, in this city has brought me to. Shut up, silly woman. Now, she wasn't kidding. She actually made good on the threat. And like the president says, get ready, pal. You're going to enter a problem because she actually did spend her time screaming at the board, calling it anti-homeless. Yes, San Francisco, the city where they have poop radar because of the human excrement covering the sidewalks, anti-homeless. And here's how, how she expressed her frustration like a child, like a toddler. which used to be a good country until they started letting people like you do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I have ringing in my ears after that. Right? She blew out the microphone, overloaded it. I'm surprised there wasn't peaking there. They must have a pretty good, pretty decent mic for being, yeah. for being just a piece of uh, City Hall equipment. Wow. That's incredible. That's special. The transgender Americans are at it again, truly. As Commander-in-Chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans, transgender Americans. I didn't make that up. I'm not being mean. That's, that's what the president said, and it's a term I'm sticking with, especially when you have people literally, you know, not, not metaphorically, 
you heard you heard the recording literally screaming at the top of their lungs at a microphone calling one of the most liberal cities in America anti-homeless okay wow if they're anti-homeless i i don't want to see what pro-homeless <laughs> is oh, oh you're listening to saturday night on the circle truly the insanity never ends we got more on the way. Stay tuned. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the show. Sorry about that in the last segment. I guess I should have given a warning the concentrated craziness that could have blown out your speakers or your eardrums or both possibly this is saturday night on the circle i'm your host ethan hatcher if you missed a moment of the show catch podcasts uploaded to wibc.com also saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm plus join the comments section while we stream live on youtube if you had the opportunity, you, you know, you were rolling in the Boku unlimited bucks, as it were, and you could basically do whatever you wanted, including bring back a beloved childhood institution. Wouldn't you like to? Well, that's exactly what Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame decided to do with their childhood uh, favorite, Casa Bonita, out in Denver, Colorado. You, you remember the Casa Bonita, Carl? This Saturday for my birthday, my mom says she's taking me to Casa Bonita in Denver, and I get to invite three friends. Wow, Casa Bonita? Woo-hoo! What's Casa Bonita? Dude, haven't you ever been there? It's a big Mexican restaurant, but they have, like, cliff jumpers and Black Bart's Cave and all kinds of stuff. It's like the Disneyland of Mexican restaurants. This Saturday, awesome! Casa Bonita, Casa Bonita, food and fun and a festive atmosphere, Casa Bonita. Who said I'm inviting you? <laughs> now, I've never been to Casa Bonita. Uh, the Disneyland of Mexican restaurants makes it uh, an incredible reputation to live up to, but they've invested... $40 million into renovating this. I guess it had fallen into disrepair and disrepute because uh, it had gained the repu- uh, the nickname Casa Noida because the food was so mediocre and they, they'd put place more emphasis on the atmosphere, but even that was starting to age and look shabby. Well, now it's co- completely revamped. They've got a new chef on the scene um, who has helped uh, resurrect the restaurants from uh, the precipice of collapse and now is going to be opened for the public. Now, I, I, you know, if I ever make my way out to Colorado, I'm sure I'd stop by. Uh, I'd love to visit Colorado sometime and just see the beautiful mountain vistas. But if you'd like a local recommendation, uh, do you like Mexican food, uh, Producer Carl? Absolutely. It's, oh. it's one of the only things I miss about leaving L.A. Okay, well, there's some good Tex-Mex on the east side of Indianapolis on the corner of New York and State Streets, one of my favorite Mexican restaurants of all time. It reminds me, and you probably don't know about this or remember it, not being an Indianapolis native, but El Sol on the east side of Indianapolis. It's been gone for a few years now, but La Parada lives up to the memory of what it used to be and itself has grown over the years. Like It used to be in a little... Uh, little shack basically in the parking lot of where it now sits and there was a strip mall that they have now inhabited kind of the uh, uh, eastern portion of the building and renovated that into their restaurant it's great it's great man if you if you like good Tex-Mex 
highly recommend La Parada. Maybe we can go sometime. Share some Absolutely. salsa. Yeah. <laughs> and margaritas. So, oh, man, they got good margaritas, too. Don't get me started on that. And their enchiladas, their chips, a lot of good stuff at La Parada. If you, if you ever find yourself on the east side of Indianapolis, definitely don't miss it. Prices are reasonable. Food is tasty. Recommendation from Saturday night on The Circle. They're not a sponsor either. It's just, you know, from the heart. All right, wrapping things up in the first hour. I don't know if you've heard, but Eric Holcomb, high tax Holcomb, our own esteemed governor, he's made his pick known for the Republican presidential nominee. Now, mind you, he stayed silent, much like silent Suzanne Crouch, regarding the governor's race, which is a snub to the lieutenant governor, considering she's still serving with him and he can't find it within his heart to endorse Suzanne. But... He tweeted out on the twit machine that he is endorsing Mike Pence. Truly two rhinos that couldn't deserve each other more. Nobodies that are going nowhere. Eric Holcomb, despite his senatorial aspirations, evidently stepping down because he recognizes he's he'd be shellacked harder than uh, Richard Murdoch. <laughs> You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle got a lot more on the way. Stay tuned. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where we're recapping the unfortunate end to the story which gripped the attention of the world as they followed the fate of the Ocean Gate submersible and whether its five passengers would be found alive. Ultimately, of course, they would not. Being crushed, I think, was the the merciful outcome in this case because it meant a nearly instantaneous death as opposed to what we'd all been imagining, which was them slowly starving of oxygen, uh, sitting in a sea of their own sewage at the bottom of the ocean, uh, slowly suffocating of oxygen, which truly would be a horrifying way to go. But as more information has been revealed. Not only does it seem perhaps the United States government was sitting on relevant information ahead of the Thursday revelation that the submersible was uh, collapsed, but also it seems many 
warnings went unheeded regarding its uh, construction and its engineering integrity. Many experts in the field criticizing its design and reliance on carbon fiber reinforced with titanium. And even as a layman, I got to say, carbon fiber at the bottom of the sea might not have been the brightest idea, um, clearly resulting in deaths in a, a field which has re seen relatively few accidents of uh, this nature. Um, but now we're kind of rolling back the tapes and we're seeing the cracks that were revealed uh, in the foundation as far back as six months ago when CBS had done an interview with the OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush and uh, made a damning admission that they were using discount parts, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff from Camping World even. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? Inside, the sub has about as much room as a minivan. So this is not your grandfather's submersible. <laughs> we only have one button, that's it. It should be like an elevator. You know, it shouldn't take a lot of skill. The Titan is the only five-person sub in the world that can reach titanic depths, 2.4 miles below the sea. It's also the only one with a toilet. Sort of. And yet, I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised. We can use these off-the-shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! Yeah, not a good look in retrospect that they're using these discount parts in a highly specialized field in an incredibly deadly environment. Perhaps more caution should have been exercised. Um, noting, of course, the very detailed waiver everybody had to sign. Um, they, they uh, So, you know, obviously they knew the risks going in, um, but it's still tragedy for the family members. And I understand and sympathize with the desire to go to the bottom of the ocean and experience in person something as majestic as the Titanic. But perhaps humans were not meant to go to such places where they can be crushed literally like a tin can. I mean, I love antiques, but unless you're bringing stuff up, salvaging or learning more about the structure, there's little to be gained by risking your life going to the bottom of the ocean. Indeed, the loss of five lives, most tragically, perhaps uh, the 19-year-old son of a Pakistani businessman who went along with his father t despite being terrified of going in the uh, submersible because he wanted to connect with the old man. So that probably is the loss uh, which stings most of all. Um, it's also tragic because warnings went unheeded by other experts, including James Cameron, who, in addition to being a filmmaker, is a, 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 a deep sea explorer of note, having designed his own submersible vehicle that went to the deepest part place uh, known on Earth, the Challenger Deep, the uh, deepest portion of the Marianas Trench. And he noted design flaws well in advance. You know, this is a mature art. And many people in the community were very concerned about this sub. And a number of, of um, you know, of the top players in the, in the uh, deep submergence engineering community even wrote letters to the company saying that what they were doing was too experimental to carry passengers and that needed to be certified and and so on so i'm i'm struck by 
the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship, and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field on a moonless night, and many people died as a result. And for a very similar tragedy where warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site, with all the diving that's going on all around the world, uh, I, I think it's just astonishing. It's really quite surreal. His name is James Cameron, the bravest pioneer. No budget too steep, no seat too deep. Who's that? It's him, James Cameron. During the same interview, James Cameron also said that the submersible community had likely well been aware that an implosion had occurred by as early as Monday morning because there are deep sea listening stations all around the world. The United States Navy has access to them. Research, re, uh, research stations have access to them. And amongst the community of specialized divers and engineers, they had seen these stations register what was either a, uh, a significant explosion or implosion, as it turned out to be, um, that had happened around the same time as the dive so they already had a pretty good inkling and had been sending their condolences well in advance of the media becoming aware of the debris field and that calls into question the united states knowledge and at what point they were aware or willing to divulge this information because john kirby uh, uh, speaker for the White House acknowledged that they, uh, the Navy had received those, uh, those indicators from the listening stations. They claim that information was shared, and yet we all sat on the edge of our teeth for days until Thursday when the debris field was uh, officially uncovered. You know, we were doing an oxygen countdown. Um, but again, kind of talking about the warnings that went unheeded and the recklessness of the CEO Stockton Rush, he seemed to cut corners in many aspects of not only the design, but the staffing of this incredibly specialized vehicle. Because you understand in this age of diversity, equity and inclusion, it's more uh, uh, inspirational to rely on the Utes and uh, uh, diverse uh, staff, as opposed to fifty-year-old white guys with submarine experience, this from the word uh, from the mouth of Stockton Rush. When I start the business, one of the things you'll find there are other sub operators out there, but they they typically um, have uh, gentlemen who are ex-military submariners, and they you'll see a whole bunch of fifty-year-old white guys. Um, I wanted our team to be younger, to be inspirational, and I'm not going to inspire a sixteen-year-old to to go pursue marine technology. Do you think people who come up with ideas like this are literally the unhappiest people in the world? Imagine the temerity of these deep sea explorers relying on the expertise of people who've served on submarines for years. Oh, yes, the unfairness of that. Um, now, another thing that people have been talking about is the comparisons between this and an episode of The Simpsons. You know, The Simpsons predicted uh, the Ocean Gate submersible uh, saga well in advance. Now, I think, and this was a suggestion from one of the listeners, but I think uh, there was an even older intellectual property that saw this coming from a mile away, decades in fact. When I started this... Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic boy, a boy this tiny ship. 
the mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. I know that might be a little bleak considering the loss of life, but hey, I have an incredibly black sense of humor. Um, and also, don't forget, they signed a waiver. They were aware of the uh, of the uh, dangers. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more on WIBC. I climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into space This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. Back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, your square peg in a round world. Make sure to check the podcast uploaded to WIBC.com, Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm, and hop in the chat while we broadcast live on YouTube. Replaying more of my conversation with Tony Kinnett, filling in on Tony Katz today from Friday. We discussed more about that infamous California bill, AB 957, which would punish parents who don't affirm their children's gender. Well, now a psychotherapist from Ireland is calling it reckless, and we discussed it on the program. So I got to tell you, I was really interested in seeing the segment that you kind of outlined here because this uh, is the story that I broke for the Daily Signal. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't don't you go ahead and set it up for us? I was going to mention that you helped break this story. Yeah, this is uh, some special stuff out of California, the most wholesome state in the union. Um, So (laughs) California, AB 957, it was written by representative, or excuse me, assemblywoman Lori Wilson and then uh, co-sponsored and amended by Senator, uh, State Senator Scott Wiener. And uh, this bill rewrites the California Family Code, uh, which would classify gender-affirming care, uh, which means uh, pretending that your child is something different than what they were born as and affirming that to them, uh, all the way up to and including things like medical transitioning and hormone sterilization. Uh, that is now an essential, that would be an essential need under the California Family Code, along with health, safety, and welfare, which means that if you don't provide gender affirmation to your kids, you would be guilty under the California Penal Code of child abuse. So that's where we're heading now. And uh, it is, I mean, it's drawing not just the ire of parents of every background and language over there in California, uh, but also from some medical professionals as well. Yes, actually drawing condemnation from a psychotherapist in Ireland. And we'll be getting into the comments of Assemblywoman Lori Wilson, who actually said this could be applicable to children as young as seven. Let that sink in how gross we're talking about about the surgical mutilation of developing bodies that have yet to even enter puberty. Well, this is this is kind of the thing here. The bill does not actually so like I should really say it's amending the California Family Code. That's the bill. Mm-hmm. Does not specify what gender affirmation is, what it is not, and what ages it applies to. Again, you remember you have several California parents that have come out and said they knew that their child was transgender as early as like 4 or 5 weeks out of the womb. 
and which of course is ludicrous and very much so child abuse now that's going to be the california standard according to to who to the judge there's nothing in the california family or penal code that outlines this there's no court precedent that sets this up and Again, if it's part of the California Family Code as the safety, health, and welfare of a child, that means that local businesses, hospitals, churches, whoever interacts with children could also be liable for child abuse for not affirming a child's gender. Imagine, if you will, for a second that you're a church, and on the bulletin board outside, you say, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. If a child is in the backseat of a car driving by and sees that sign and says that they felt that that has harmed them, technically, again, according to this California Family Code rewriting, that church with that sign could be liable for damages and child abuse to that child. And obviously, this is being called extremely reckless and a huge overreach by the California legislature and as recognized by psychotherapist Stella O'Malley from Ireland. A key aspect of the affirmative approach is that it's child-led. So it's not child-centered, it's moved beyond that to being child-led. So the child will lead the judge, the lawyers, the parents, the teachers, the therapists and any other involved adult in their life and the child will make the decisions and everybody around that child will be facilitators to the child's decisions. The kind of premise of this is the child knows themselves, but anybody who knows children knows that sometimes they need guidance, they need help, and they need the parents sometimes to say, no, that's not the right thing for you. I know you really want it, and it's not the right thing in any context. And now for, for, uh, for the state of California to bring in a bill based on this new approach is so high-handed and reckless, it's going to cause an awful lot of distress. And it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. It's it's presumptive. Now, in addition to being a psychotherapist, Stella O'Malley also heads GenSpect, which is an organization that advocates for evidence-based approaches to gender distress. She's in an excellent position to do so because this woman experienced gender dysphoria herself as a child and like many children grew out of it. So she's speaking as the vast majority do, especially those who don't take hormonal treatments. Exactly. So she's speaking from experience. This is not an outsider's perspective here. This is somebody who not only deals with children, but has the lived experience, as the left is so want to say, of having done, had gender dysphoria and grown out of it. And this is really important. I had a lot of colleagues when I was a science administrator in Indianapolis Public Schools who would hypothesize and theorize what it might be like for someone that, you know, some random white lady from the suburbs who's trying to tell you all of the experiences from every person on earth <laughs> from her, you know, wide pool of wisdom. Uh, but in this case here, there's a common sense element of parenting that most of the people listening to this program can relate to. So I, I have a daughter. She is young and she loves two things more than anything in the world. She loves Bear in the Big Blue House. She loves Bear in the Big Blue. Anytime that she hears that, you know, theme song kick on, she gets excited. I watched that in the 90s. I was a fan, too, when I was a kid. Yeah. And then she also really, really, really loves cheese. She does. She loves, like, string cheese. And so when we put her in her high chair, she says cheese, oftentimes. And when we turn on the TV, she goes, Bear. Now, <laughs> the thing is... 
watching Bear in the Big Blue House and eating cheese is not the only things that she needs, despite the fact that that is always what she asks for. Parents, how many times have your kids told you that they want ice cream, they want dessert for dinner, for a meal that does not make it healthy? And as a parent, you are there in part to guide them through not making bad decisions, even if the kid really, 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 really wants them. So in the case of the transgender nonsense, it is not necessarily a good thing for you to tell your child, yeah, you are kind of a two-spirit dog superhero Dora the Explorer, sweetie. That is, she said that to her five-year-old son. And you're hitting on the pernicious core of the issue, which is this child welfare would now be child led, child-directed, and the Assemblywoman who helped co-sponsor this bill and write it, Lori Wilson, um, said that under any circumstance, oh, there's children... The, there's the pearl clutch. <laughs> ...should be affirmed at all times. If you have a seven-year-old who's, who's seven talking year about old. having a Again, potential... Again, I want to replay the clip there. Seven years old, as young as seven, so they are talking about prepubescent children. I remember when you were seven years old and you were wondering if you were gay or a lesbian, right? right. What seven-year-old hasn't thought about if they are transgender dog to spirit. Resetting that, here's what she said. If you have a seven-year-old who's who's talking about having a potential to say, I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed. And through care, it should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that, so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school, it doesn't matter. Our children should be affirmed. Shut up, silly woman. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned. We have more of the conversation with Tony Kinnett coming up next. Don't miss it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on The Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back. This is Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, and I'm continuing the conversation, replaying from our Friday appearance on Tony Katz today with Tony Kinnett filling in. We had a lot of interesting conversations, including a discussion that centered around the generalized gender insanity that has seeped its way to the forefront of the cultural conversation and seemingly boiled over in the process. Now, hearings being held in the Senate 
regarding uh, the participation of biological men in women's sports, of all things. Replaying that conversation now. In the last segment, you heard uh, Assemblywoman from California, Lori Wilson, who helped author the now infamous bill AB 957, which would change the designation in California family law and consider parents who do not affirm their children's gender identity as child abuse. So lots to consider there. Um, But we've also had hearings going on in the Senate this week. And Tony, what really shocks me is how in it seems like less than really less than 10 years because we'll also talk about uh, comments made by Serena Williams on David Letterman 10 years ago um, and in less than that time we now can't even recognize the different or some people I should say can't recognize the difference between what men and women are it's absurd and really stupid really really stupid and tiresome and i kind of find it irritating in addition to how pernicious and sinister it all really is well there was a common sense standard for all of human history that very very dedicatedly understood men are men women are women there are some things that you cannot change and that is basic biology in a nutshell and yet all of a sudden we come around to the massive progressive swing into insanity when we start believing that affirmation and feelings are far more important than reality itself and how we cope with it. And so then you start putting uh, female athletes up against men who, while may have been 200th ranked in the world, male athletes are beating some of the best female athletes out there. And this is happening not only in in tennis, which we're going to talk about here in a second, of course, but this is also happening in in track, in swimming, in, in all other kind like wrestling uh, where there was a, a dude choking a girl out. Uh, sorry, he's identifying as a woman, though, so it's, right. it's, it's really just a female that struggle okay. session. Yeah, absolutely. And all of these kind of situations where we're supposed to toss out a verifiable understanding of biology so that someone, so basically so that we can ignore someone who's clearly going through a mental illness. We have now marched so forward in the era of super feminism, they are actually going to bat for men being able to hit women. And again, this is, <laughs> the really funny part about you saying that is that Dear John God. Hopkins released a definition not too long ago that says that no longer is a, a gay individual a, a dude who likes dudes, no longer is a lesbian individual wait, wait, a woman who likes women. Yes, wait, they have changed the definition. What? Wait, what? So, they They have changed the definition, according to John Hopkins University, what used to be one of the premier medical institutions of this country. Wait, but... They've changed it. Now, a lesbian is a non-man who likes non-men. So, squirrels, congratulations. You're now all lesbians. We've completely changed definitions. Women don't even exist anymore. A non-man. Women are both everyone and no one at all. Interesting. It's ing- isn't this I just fe- amazing? I feel like gender and sex definition is integral to the concept of homosexuality, or I guess it used to be. Because if you're a lesbian, that means you're a woman who likes women, and if you're a gay man, it means you're a man man who likes men. No, see, lesbians I, I mean, are just non-women that like non-women. So you know the movie Cars, right? Lightning McQueen is a lesbian because he's not a man, <laughs> and he likes another non-man. So okay. I, think about it. That Toy fi- Story that fits the definition. Toy Story. Woody is a lesbian. Love 
loves Bo Peep. Both both of them not men. I mean, we have come to a beautiful place in which really all of us are lesbians. This and that's is, what Pride Month is all about. This issue is so confusing. It kind of the stage was set for then nominee, now confirmed Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, who famously said she couldn't tell the difference between men and women because she's not a biologist. Well, this is Kelly Robinson, uh, who is part of the uh, far left human rights campaign. Um, she can't answer Ted Cruz when asking if there is just simply a difference, just a difference between men and women. Can't answer the question. Doesn't know. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference between women and men? If the question is about trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? I mean, what I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition... <laughs> okay, happened, I'm, I'm going to try again. The rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It, it's a yes-no question. It is. It, do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the NCAA. <laughs> no, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most I, people could answer this very simply. I, I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of the that conversation yes? that we're having. I think that there are definitions is, related is, to is, sex. Is that a yes? So I'm that trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get <laughs> a speech. Oh, is I'm, there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. Okay, so you're not answering that. Let me ask you this question then. <laughs> I love your exasperated size, man. You're encapsulating my feelings perfectly. No further articulation needed. Like the just the the sigh. Okay, uh, boys yeah. and girls out I there listening. You, boys and girls out there listening from central Indiana down to Bloomington. Let's buckle up. It's time for a discussion on how to debate. The easiest way to come to an agreement between two people who disagrees. Case in point, when I taught at Knightstown, I was a conservative teacher. I taught with a progressive teacher who taught English. We had arguments all the time, but we always started from the basics. What do you believe? Once you start at the bottom and you build up from what can we establish as foundational, you can then argue any other topic on earth. But when you refuse to answer a simple question, which by the way, I have a degree in biology. I'm a biologist. Oh. I'm allowed to have an opinion here according to, I guess, Katanji Brown Jackson. <laughs> yes, there are definite differences between men and women. You need a gender studies degree to be this ignorant about gender. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you can offer some insight on this issue. Yeah, yeah. I have the fancy piece of paper, but uh, they uh, only really want people who agree with Well, them, I, I wanted to get in, especially because you mentioned that there was also uh, some testimony offered by a pediatric endocrinologist named Dr. Ximena Lopez, or Jimena Lopez, um, provided transgender uh, procedures to children for more than 10 years, said she could not answer if males are naturally stronger than women, saying she's not a sports medicine physician. So, you, you know, the old, uh, uh, I'm not a biologist. Hey, see that car that's flipped over on the side of the road? Yes, I do see that. Do you think <laughs> that car got into an accident? Well, I'm not a mechanic or a race car driver, so I, I can't tell you if that flipped over vehicles in any trouble. But this time, this excuse is coming from somebody who definitely had to take biology class because they're a medical doctor and they can't tell you the difference between men and women. And performing surgery on children. I'd find a different doctor. I mean, yeah, I would honestly just probably not get your kids' loins lopped off. Mm -hmm. That would be, you know, process number one in the parenting world for yeah. me. Um, but you can hear how this confusion leads to Kelly Robinson getting owned on basic facts. Like, yes, she speculates, um, oh, you know, men would never be able to d dominate Serena, uh, the, the Williams Serena sisters. Williams, yeah, Serena, yeah, Serena Williams. No one uh, would ever be able to beat them. They are the best in the world. No, but turns out that 
wasn't factually the case, as pointed out by Riley Gaines during this committee hearing. I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, And it's just not the case. She is stronger than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, My experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, He could kick my butt any day of the week without trying. So, didn't, go ahead. Just as an, as an anatomy and physiology teacher, I would like to remind everyone that there are more differences between men and women than their private parts and the muscle and bone structure. You have this really cool thing called an endocrine system, and it monitors and regulates your hormones. It is so complex that even we, after studying it for over 100 years now, do not fully know how it works, how it reacts, and how it grows. It is so vastly different between men and women, it is not remotely funny. By the way, the hormone system, the endocrine system, is how we actually determine what you are acting as if you are someone who is is considered intersex, like the less than 1% of all human beings that are born uh, with definitive male and female parts. Usually the body leans one way or the other. The endocrine system is how you figure that out. That matters in everything from how quickly your muscles take up oxygen, how fast you're able to swing, your reaction time, what you're able to focus on, what your body sends as far as uh, neurochemical signals. And this is basic science. This isn't even high school A&P. This is middle school stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Well, once upon a time and uh, not so long ago in the sadly since forgotten age when many people could and still knew the difference between men and women, uh, Serena Williams admitted to David Letterman in 2013 and said that, that there is a difference. It's true. It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster. They serve harder. They hit harder. It's a completely different game. I love to play women's tennis, but I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed after being defeated by the 203rd best tennis player in the world. Like, I, I don't see anyone coming out actually to protect. Well, I do see a lot of people from one side of the aisle coming out to protect women. Why can't we just let women compete in sports and be good at their sport? I don't understand. Why does a father have to watch his high school daughter get mutilated in a wrestling match because there is some mentally ill young man who thinks he's a woman who gets out onto the mat and injures her as we have seen seen in both Vermont and North Carolina. I don't see why that's appropriate. That's not honoring to women. That isn't something that respects women. That is more morally and physically degrading than anything else that we could do. Yes, Democrats have degraded this issue into a sad, pitiful joke, which is, I suppose, why Joe Biden aptly came up with the title Transgester Americans. As commander in chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans, transgender Americans. He said it. He said it. It's not me being mean. That is the president of the United States. Transgester. Transgester. Oh, that is, oh goodness. Americans. Because it's all a joke. Well, yeah. It's I all mean, a joke. You, we all knew it was a joke for sure when the White House, you know, allowed on fake boobs McGee onto the lawn. And Oh, no. They said that wasn't a, a usual activity. Well, they, the said, pride, pride they, they said that they were ashamed of it because yep. that is not representative of all of pride. However, when you go to a pride parade, you see this Simulated exact thing on display all the time. Right up there on the float. They're wearing strap-ons. Yep. Doing the leather. upcoming They're- Connorsville Pride Parade. It's going to have it. The upcoming Corridan Pride Parade. It's 
it's going to have it because you know what? I'm going to be very honest and clear when I say this. The pride movement is not about rights. It is about normalizing sex in public, which it has been since the beginning. And the libertarian in me says, fine, if you want to normalize sex, if you want to celebrate your sexual identity, have at it. I truly do not care. Don't do it in front of kids. Don't do it in front of kids. That's it. That's all I'm asking. You want to go somewhere, do whatever it is, do whatever you want to do to your body. That's your case, your call, your body. Please don't do it to children. Don't misrepresent that this is a so-called family-friendly event when you're putting simulated sex acts on display. Well, when it can't reproduce, it's time to recruit. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on The Circle, and we'll be wrapping things up coming up next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just wrapping things up here on a Saturday evening. And we have reason to celebrate, producer Carl, because we're marking the five year anniversary of the Doomsday Proclamation from Greta Thunberg. And we survived! We survived yet another Doomsday. I'm so excited. I'm happy. How many doomsdays uh, have you survived? I mean, like, just off the top of my head, I've survived the avian doomsday, the avian flu doomsday, the swine flu doomsday, COVID, the Mayan calendar, uh, the uh, uh, solar flare. I mean, my God. Well, (laughs) there's always Wagner. Wagner. Well, the... (laughs) What's going on in Russia? Right oh, now? Yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Greta might be right, but for well, the wrong you, reasons. Ukraine's not over yet, so uh, we can't say we've survived that one just yet until it's past us in the rearview mirror. But certainly, lots of doomsdays have come and gone. And I want to say, I've mentioned, I think I mentioned this on the fo- show before, um, but as a former member of the Jehovah's Witness cult, there is an art form to effective doomsday proclamations. There's a trick to it. You got to make it appropriate appropriately threatening yet uh or imminently threatening but appropriately vague that is to say uh because if you put a date on it uh you you run the risk of of course your prophecy not coming true like stay alive to 75 or greta thunberg who said a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years how dare you now, I don't know about you, Carl, but I drove here in a vehicle that runs on fossil fuels. I believe most people in the United States still use vehicles that run on fossil fuels, and we're we're all we're all still here. We're doing fine. The radio gig doesn't really pay for a Tesla. No, no, it, it barely pays for a gallon of gasoline uh, with the Biden prices. Uh, but uh, certainly, we want to uh, tip our hat. To Greta Thunberg uh, for making yet another failed doomsday proclamation. When I say climate change, what do you think of? Blah, blah, blah. There is no planet B. 
There is no planet blah, 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 blah. We can no longer let the people in power decide, blah, blah, blah. Did you hear me? What do we want? Blah, blah, blah. But it starts with blah. When do we want it? Blah, blah, blah. This is all we hear. What do we want? Blah, blah, blah. What do you think, though? They say blah. When do we want it? Blah, 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 blah. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle while we wrap things up. One other story I wanted to touch on before we close the show. J.P. Morgan Chase, where the darndest thing happened. Uh, They had a Hillary Clinton-esque email incident. They've just been fined by the SEC for deleting several million emails. Dating back from June 2019 uh, from about 87,000 mailboxes, including uh, belonging to more than 7,500 employees. It's crazy. They were performing maintenance on the system. They were trying to wipe old data, you know, stuff from the 70s and 80s that they didn't need anymore. And then just accidentally, whoops, what do you know? We deleted records that you're supposed to keep for like, you know, five years or more. Whoopsie poopsie. And then... Uh, you know, $4 million fine by the SEC. I'm sure it was an accident, and they made a statement, uh, like Hillary Clinton, they, you know, they said that they're going to uh, take measures to ensure this never happens again. That's how it goes. Thanks for listening, guys. Unfortunately, that's all for my show this week. I leave you with my parting words of wisdom, as always. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next week. <laughs>